0: Well, friends, today we celebrate the most central feast of Christianity, the feast of the resurrection, Easter, our biggest holiday and the biggest event in the history of the cosmos, which is the Sunday uh, on which Christ exited the tomb after being publicly executed. Thousands of people saw him die, and he was laid in a tomb and three days later came out of that tomb. And since then, history, all of human history has been completely different. We divide all of, all of the existence of human beings from before that happened to after that happened. And we live 2,000 years, 21, from uh, the event of Jesus, which was consummated in in the resurrection. Um, I remember my, my grandfather, who sadly had uh, dementia for most of the time I was a priest, uh, and died a year or two after I was ordained. Um, but he always used to say when he would ask me, like, what do you what are you doing? I would say, well, I'm studying to be a priest or I am a priest. And um, it was like he got to be surprised by that fact that one of his grandsons was a priest every time I talked to him. And it was always beautiful how he, he was a salesman um, his whole life and just worked so hard to uh, raise my mom and her seven siblings and uh, provide for the family. And he, he was a dogged salesman. And he, sa- he would always look at me and say, Connor, you need to sell your product. You guys have the best product in the world. A guy was dead, and then three days later, he was walking around. No one else has ever done that. You need to sell your product. It's like, that's what's wrong with Catholic priests, is what he was saying. They're bad salesmen. Maybe he's right. Um, the resurrection is utterly unique, and, and for that reason, maybe it's, it's confusing. People don't understand why it matters. You know, like, okay... Uh, is he like a zombie? Is, is, is like Christ is back from the dead for revenge? Or like We, we have all these weird motifs that we can put, place onto it because the resurrection is sui generis. It's totally unique. And that's the reason why everyone at the time was totally taken aback, was totally surprised. Nobody expected it to happen. But what is the resurrection, this unique event that has conditioned everything? Even the Sabbath, the Jewish Sabbath, was moved From the seventh day to the eighth day, the day of the new creation. Our baptismal font, I think, is very cool. Baptismal fonts are uh, customarily octagons because of the eighth day of the new creation. That that seventh day God rested has given way to the eighth day of God's new creation in Christ, which begins with the firstborn from the dead, who is Jesus. The meaning of the resurrection is kind of twofold. One is, it proves that Christ is who he says he is. It proves he is the Son of God. No one else has done this. He raised a few people from the dead. The son of the widow of Nain, Lazarus, for instance. He called them out of their graves. Some people who were so sick, they appeared to be dead. And he gave them new life. But they died again. They woke up to the same existence they had before. What Jesus woke up to on Easter Sunday was a new kind of existence that in his humanity, no human being had ever woken up to, which was this glorified, resurrected eternal life body and soul and this body and soul was not limited anymore by time and space he could be in two places at once he could come through walls where doors were locked and appear to his apostles and such it was the unleashing of his divinity through the prism of his humanity and so people saw Jesus risen from the dead and they said my Lord and my God he still looked like a man but glorified beyond our imagination so it proves He is who he says he is also wins the victory over sin and death that he he came to fight for us to fight satan who had ensnared us and enslaved us to sin and therefore to death now he breaks open those prison bars and now everyone who believes in him and follows him who dies with him can have access to that eternal life and that's the second meaning which is that the fact that jesus is alive not just was alive on easter sunday two thousand years ago but is alive today makes communion with him possible. It means the sentence makes sense, I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That would make no sense if he was like Abraham Lincoln and was just some historical figure that I admired and read his words and tried to emulate. I don't have a relationship with Lincoln in the way I have a relationship with my mother, my friends, my siblings. I have a relationship with Jesus In a more intimate way, even, than I have a relationship with my mother or my friends or my siblings. Because the way he is present is different now. Not less present, but more present. And that's, I think, the other reason we we get confused about the resurrection. We're like, oh yeah, he's alive, but where is he? He's not alive like he was in the 40 days after the resurrection, when he's with his apostles appearing before his ascension into heaven and the sending of the Holy Spirit on the 50th day, Pentecost. But he's more intimately present. He's he's mystically present or sacramentally present. That's not to say that he's not physically present. It's just not merely physically present. You can see the Eucharist. You can see the bread and wine, or what look like bread and wine, but are now actually Jesus. Those with the eyes of faith, faith see him in an intimate way that is almost directly to the heart. And it's all leading to this communion. I remember I've told this story many times if you've heard me preach, but. Um, my whole beginning of my journey into the faith, after being raised Catholic but not getting it, was the first time I read the Gospel of Luke with my father. And for some reason, the story just came alive in a, in a new way. I was like 15, 16 years old. And suddenly Jesus became a real figure. Like, I, I read his words, and they sounded true. And the events of his life, his death, his resurrection, the acts of the apostles, I said, I, I think this happened. I believe this happened. He rose from the dead. But I didn't really know what to do with that. And then my dad took me to confession. He was a convert, so he like, was into that stuff. We, Kyoto Catholics, weren't. He took me to confession, and I made a good confession at 16 and felt the presence of Jesus, forgive me from my sins. And then it like clicked, and I didn't make sense of it until years later. But yeah, Jesus is real, and then there he is in his church through the power of the sacraments. You can actually encounter him. That's the way he's present to us intimately in the church. And just last night we celebrated the Easter Vigil and Laura uh, was baptized, got confirmed with her first communion. Our friend Andrew got his confirmation. And you could feel that God, through the Holy Spirit, because of Jesus' resurrection, is here in this room making someone new, actually forgiving sins, making them a new creation, adopting them as a son or a daughter of God. That's amazing, and it's all thanks to the resurrection. Because he did not stay in the tomb as a memory to be to be honored, but came out of the tomb as a living presence that would transform everything that is. And those are the three stages. What I read in the gospel, Christ was manifested to me as he was manifested to the people in Nazareth and Galilee and Judea. They saw him outside of themselves and they said, Look at him. He's so attractive, his words are so true. He provides people with healing and food and all things good. I want to follow him. If you've had that experience where you've seen Christ outside of you, in the way somebody lives their lives, or some homily or or talk you've heard, and you said, I want to go with I want to go like that, I want to live like that, I want to follow him. But you don't have the wherewithal, or you don't yet haven't made the decision. that manifestation leads to transformation. What I experienced, thank God, in the in the confessional was that there was something changed in me. Because I had made a decision to be vulnerable, to open myself up to this presence by confessing my sins. And I was transformed and I felt that transformation. And then that third stage, what that transformation leads to is communion. Because the resurrection is an event, but it leads to this other event, which is Pentecost. That's what the whole Easter season, the next Lent was 40 days, this Easter season is 50 days, leading to Pentecost, the birthday of the church, when the Holy Spirit floods the church, so that now Jesus is not just a transforming manifestation, the presence of God on earth, but now is this intimate presence, like the soul animates the body, the spirit animates the church through the sacraments. That that transformation is leading to communion. And all of human history has been leading to this time, and that, that Pentecost event itself is another moment that leads to a moment we're awaiting, which is the consummation of all things, when God will be all in all. And what we await here on earth, in our own individual lives and in the lives of the church, is that communion to be total, that communion to be full. I would just venture to have you imagine Peter, what we read in the gospel today, Peter and John running to the tomb after they hear Mary Magdalene say that the tomb is empty; they've taken Jesus away. She she doesn't understand what's going on. They certainly don't understand. And they run to the tomb. And what's in Peter's heart? Probably that the last thing he did while Jesus was alive on earth was deny him three times. And he thought, that was the end of my friendship with Jesus. That was the last thing I did to him, was I denied I even knew him. And then they run into the tomb, and Peter goes in first and sees the burial cloths on on the ground. And we know what happens later that day, that week, that Peter, it's not the last thing that Peter did to Jesus, that Jesus is alive again, and he has another chance to undo that, that Jesus can heal that, forgive that, make him new, turn him from a coward into a saint. This, this resurrection event is a total surprise to him, and it's, it's too good to be true, it's, and it's certainly too good to be made up. It had to be something that shocked them, and they reported that they didn't even understand it. And so this, this resurrection is also a, a surprise to us. It, if you've ever encountered Jesus, you realize, like, I didn't expect you to be here. And that there's this feeling that now I must do something. It's not, oh, it's Easter Sunday. Now we don't have to worry about Good Friday anymore. Now it's like, okay, yeah, it was ugly on Friday night. It was sad on Saturday morning. But Easter Sunday, now it's all gravy. Everybody's fine. It's like, oh, my gosh, a second chance. Who would have thought this was possible? It's not complacency like, oh, I've been working really hard during Lent. Now, Easter, it's time to gorge. (laughs) Whatever transformation you you made during Lent now is extended now into Easter. That transformation is leading to communion. And so next year, please God, if we're still here, that Lent will make us go deeper and deeper and deeper. It's not just fast and feast. It's it's, uh, transformation and communion. Until we go through these cycles, these liturgical seasons, to conform ourselves more deeply to the mystery of the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. Until that last moment, and Jesus calls us out of our graves to come into full communion, the fullness of what this, this whole life has been leading to, which is the marriage feast of heaven, where we'll see him face to face.